Hi everyone and welcome to St Ninian's Church here in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Before we start our service today, we'd like to remind you that this week is Holy Week and that means that there will be a number of services throughout the week, each evening at 7pm, starting this evening at 7pm in St Ninian's, there'll be a reading of Mark's Gospel. We're going to read the whole of the Gospel out loud all the way through, something we've never done before. So please come and join us at 7pm at St Ninian's for that. And then through the week on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday at 7pm, there'll be short reflections in the church and online. On Thursday, which is Monday Thursday, there'll be a communion service at St Ninian's and also a version online at 7pm. And then on Friday, Good Friday, we join our friends at Patterson Church and just down the road for a service at 7pm. There'll also be a short reflection on the website for those who can't make it. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, we will be having an early morning service at 9am in the park at St Ninian's. So join us for that, something again that we've never done before. We're excited to get outside and to welcome Easter Day in the park. And then we'll go back to St Ninian's for breakfast at 10am. So you can join us then, even if you don't come down to the park. And then our normal Easter day service at 11am. As usual, our Sunday service will be online from Saturday night. So you can join us then too. Today, our worship is led by our student who's on placement with us, Michael Topple. So we're excited to hear what Michael has to say to us this Palm Sunday. Our prayers will be led by Joyce Hamilton, but first a reading from her husband, John. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When they came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As I was preparing for this act of worship, a friend of mine, who's also a preacher, asked me, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, whether I'd choose a hymn, We Have a King Who Rides a Donkey, as one of our hymns this morning. He did this because he and I both dislike that song for the connotations it offers. You see, on hearing the phrase, we have a king who rides a donkey. Most people in the ancient world would have been able to reply, so do we. Riding a donkey, regardless of what my Sunday school superintendent taught me, was not the sign of humility that many people think it might be. Many people, I think, associate donkeys with humility, simplicity or 
lowliness. But in first century Palestine, the donkey didn't have the same lowly reputation that it does over here. It was only in times of war that a king would ride a horse. In a time of peace, when he had nothing to fear and nobody to run from, he would ride a donkey. After all, only those who need to make a quick getaway would need a flash getaway car. Those of us who are in no rush are quite content with our slow and steady motors. There are some biblical examples of this. Solomon rode on David's donkey in one kings, and King Jehu rode a donkey in two kings. Riding into Jerusalem astride a donkey showed two things. Firstly, that Jesus was more than happy to be seen as a king. And secondly, that even if deep down he may have wanted to, he was in no great rush to escape. Luke's Gospel doesn't use the word Hosanna, but in Mark's Gospel we can read that the crowd shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now I don't know why Luke didn't include this word in his telling of this event, but it is worth us considering the similarity in sound between the word Hosanna, meaning save us, and the root of Jesus' name, Joshua. Perhaps this is one of the reasons that the religious leaders and Pharisees took umbrage with Jesus for letting his disciples shout out, Hosanna! Joshua! Save us, Jesus! Save us! Save them from what or from whom, those religious leaders may have thought. I'm on placement here at St Ninian's with Stuart. He's my training supervisor, I guess. But I know that if I stood up in the middle of a service and shouted, Lord, save me from Stuart, it may cause some upset. The religious situation in Jerusalem was precarious, to say the least. The whole nation was a tinderbox ready to go up in flames. The nation was occupied by the Romans, but the local religious leaders were still able to exercise some level of authority, under the watchful eye of the Roman occupiers and Pontius Pilate, about whom we will hear more in the coming week. We heard a few weeks ago how Pilate was known to be quite barbaric in how he dealt with those people who crossed him. The religious leaders would not have wanted Pilate to become too heavy-handed, lest they lost what little control they had left. Jesus's major journey from Jericho to Jerusalem was all of about 17 miles, but now he was rapidly approaching its end. These towns of Bethphage and Bethany were likely to have been quite close to the city, although to this day scholars debate exactly where they were. Today we have seen Jesus employ a teaching method used by prophets down through the centuries, and also used in a smaller sense perhaps in many classrooms and churches to this day. When words were of no effect, or when people weren't heeding the prophet's message, he would resort to some wild and exciting action to show his message in another way. Jesus could have, for example, debated quietly in the corner with the temple police, 
but instead chose to overturn tables. Jesus could have preached on humility, but instead he took a child and presented that child as the prime inheritor of the kingdom of God. Here we see another of his powerful dramatic actions, a journey into Jerusalem that would make his messiahship so clear that nobody could be any doubt of his authenticity. So, what can we learn from this biblical account? Firstly, this was no spur-of-the-moment affair. It wasn't, oh, I know, I can ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Does anyone around here have a donkey? No, this was premeditated in the extreme. The stage was set good and proper. Clearly, much arranging had gone on behind the scenes. A password of sorts had been agreed. The Lord has need of it, and the owners knew their part. It is perhaps interesting to note how other Gospels report that it was bystanders who challenged the two disciples, but Luke is clear that it was the animal's owners who asked and then consented to the loan of that animal. What's also interesting is how Matthew records Jesus' disciples collecting, quote, a donkey tied and a colt with her, a colt being the young male of the species. But Luke only mentions the colt. Could it be that the journey was too far for the young colt alone? Perhaps part of the journey was by donkey, then the last part on the colt. Nothing Luke says would disprove that. Secondly, in this account we can note Jesus' immense courage and with it no small amount of defiance. In John's Gospel we can read, Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders, that if anyone knew where Jesus was, they should let them know, so that they might arrest him. If, as I suspect he did, Jesus knew that there was a price on his head, it would have been natural for him to want to slip in the back way, by the dead of night, not wanting to arouse suspicion or draw attention to himself. But Jesus' triumphal entrance into the city was quite the opposite. It was a show, theatrically stage-managed, with the limelight shining squarely upon him. It's as though he's shouting to the religious leaders and all of his enemies, Come and get me! Do your worst! A bit like a schoolchild shouting, Catch me if you can! How quickly, though, the tide would turn. For those of you who will journey through Holy Week with our special services here at St Ninian's, we will together chart this change gradually. But within a few days of this triumphal entry, with the crowds shouting, Hosanna, the mood has changed and people are screaming murder. It has changed from magnify him to crucify him, all in the space of a few days. There will be many, I'm sure, who remember in those early days of lockdown a harassed-looking Chancellor of the Exchequer announcing to the Commons in Westminster that the biggest financial package in living memory was being put in place for the furlough scheme. This man was hailed as one of Britain's heroes, a, a future Prime Minister, Many of my friends referred to him as Dishy Rishi, 
He was, in many people's eyes, the one person who stood between them and the breadline. Compare that image to this last week's set of front-page headlines. How quickly the media's, if not the public's, position has changed. To us, that may feel quick, only two years. Imagine that over the course of a week. Or who here remembers in the immediate wake of his death, Shane Ritchie presenting a memorial edition of Jim'll Fix It, lauding and magnifying the deceased star's charitable endeavours, only to then publicly repent of his involvement on live television when the extent of Savile's crimes became apparent. Opinions can change in an instant. But the opinions of the locals in Jerusalem didn't change on a whim. They changed because those same religious leaders who had challenged Jesus on the road to Jerusalem stirred up the crowd, as we can hear in Mark's Gospel, to ask for Jesus' head and Barabbas' release. The same crowd who had been waving palms and throwing their cloaks down in front of Jesus had now turned to throwing abuse and demanding an innocent life. Holy Week, into which we have now truly entered, is a time of great emotional change. If we were to focus solely on today's Gospel reading, we could finish this service feeling pretty chirpy. After all, Jesus is getting the reception he deserves. People are recognising his messiahship, or at least they seem to be. And aside from a bit of low-level grumbling, things seem pretty good. But as we've been considering, the mood of the crowd does not remain static, and neither can ours during this most holy of weeks. As we travel closer to Good Friday's blood-stained cross, with the women weeping and wailing at its feet, our emotions will likely get the better of us. So how do we change? Are we the people who cheer Jesus as he enters Jerusalem, but jeer him as he stands before Pilate? Many of us will have palm crosses in our houses, or if we don't, we could very easily look at one or look at a picture of a cross on the internet. I challenge you to look at that cross and ask yourself whether you are one of the people who would have waved it as Jesus entered Jerusalem, whether you're one of the people who would have chucked it to the ground, demanding Jesus' life, or whether, like I fear I would have done, you're one of the people whose minds were changed. Although we weren't there 2,000 years ago, this is something we will all have been guilty of at times. This week will raise up in us all sorts of emotional responses. And that's no bad thing. Because if we do not travel with Jesus emotionally, we can't hope to learn from him spiritually.
a prayer for others and ourselves. Loving God, you search us and you know us. You speak to us and you listen. Your love brought us into being and your love wraps us in care forever. We thank you for the gifts given to each of us. Our world, our friends, our families, our homes. We rejoice in your presence in our lives. We bring our words of prayer for ourselves and for our world near and far. We thank you for your eternal love and for all try to spread it throughout our churches, communities, countries and world. Help each of us to understand it and let it live within us, not as a thought or idea, but as living, saving hope. We pray for the people who try to live daily by your love, for all who live out its life-giving call to serve, caring for self and neighbour. Help us to know what your love is calling us to do and to change the world for the better. We pray for all the people who seek your love in scripture, experience, religion and nature. May their search be fruitful and may they find help along the way and may we be a support to all who seek you. We pray for people all over the world who find that words, not love, are used like weapons against them, who are ostracised because of their wealth or background or race or gender or sexuality or ability. Help us to show your love to them, to bring peace and justice in your name and be brothers and sisters in love to all in need. In Jesus' name, inspired by his love, we pray the words you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever. Amen. As we step from this Palm Sunday into Holy Week, it seems a blessing might not be quite the right thing. And so we end with words that may be familiar. Now, Lord, let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the glory which you have prepared in the sight of every people. I like to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. <laughs> 